You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good morning. So good to see each and every one of you. I just want to say a special thank you to our sound and worship team. I, I, I don't think we understand how hard they work each and every week. Can we just thank them real quick? Anytime something goes wrong with sound, we think it's just a, a magic button that fixes it all. Uh, when you push one button, another button, you know, goes off. It's like the sinking ship. You plug one hole, another hole opens up, you know, and you're just... So they are doing a tremendous job. Thank you, guys, and thank you, worship team. Just fantastic. Well, we are in the conclusion of our series entitled Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. We're going to be in, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this has just been a tremendous series, I think one of the most practical series for relationships, for dating, for marriage, whether you are uh, starting to date or newly single. I think there's so much that you can go back on the podcast and re-listen to. You can go on the app and uh, the contents on there. I feel so strongly about it because when we started our church, we started with the intent that we're leading people to find and follow Jesus. But if we're not actually helping people's relationships we're, we're missing the boat, okay? Because relationships and marriages and dating is such an integral part of who we are. And I believe that as Jesus followers, we can do it right and we can do it well. And it can be long-lasting. It can be satisfying. But also, it's a great picture of when people see the difference in your life, they want that. And all of a sudden, you can then point them to Jesus. It's a great Example where people say, hey, how have you stayed in a great relationship? How have you kept that marriage going? You guys seem like you're just so much in love. And it just seems like you guys are just doing such a good job. We know it's not perfect, but there's so much you guys are doing well. And it's a great opportunity to point back to Jesus. And it's a great example. And that's what we want for the church to be. We started this church not just as a place so that we can take in, but so we could take in and then we can give back out. Because we're supposed to receive from God and take what God has planted in our hearts, not only practice it in our marriages and in our homes and in our workplace and in our environment, but then also take that message and then we can go impact somebody in a positive way with it. Uh, I lived, when I was in high school, I would live in the summer times. I would move to Arizona or Tennessee for the summer, and I'd live there, and I'd work at a camp. And uh, all summer, we would work at the camp on two sites, one in Tennessee and one in Arizona. And it was a camp specifically designed to reach those who were deaf and handicapped. And so we'd go there, and, and uh, I would work on the ranch, and uh, uh, I, I, I was a cowboy. Now, some people, they look at me, and they're like, you're not a real cowboy. And uh, I've been hearing some of that lately even more because I don't like country music. And I'm just curious why you don't think I like country music, okay? Uh, just, just a little off thing. You know who you are in the room. And the conversation came to my mind. I just said I don't talk about country music. Not that I dislike it or anything. Uh, but it, it, so I was a cowboy there. And uh, what was interesting is you would hear preaching all throughout the summer, just lots of great preaching. And then even when we would have weeks that the entire uh, message 
was all through sign language, all of it, the entire message. So we as the camp staff still went to the messages. And you say, was there a translator? No, you just followed along in sign language. And so you would learn sign language and kind of get it. And so I would sit in the back because I didn't want to be a distraction because people need to be able to see as the uh, speaker is signing. And it's a fun service to be in because it's not a quiet service, very loud. Because uh, if you're deaf or handicapped, you don't know that you're loud. You, you don't know. So it's very loud. It's, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But I remember the challenge that night was presented to go and tell others about Jesus. And there was a girl, her name is Nova, I'll never forget her. She took that challenge quite literally. And during the invitation, you know, they were doing the invitation. We would do an old-fashioned altar call, and, and people could give their life to Jesus, or maybe they wanted to pray and make a decision, or maybe there was something heavy on their heart. Well, Nova, instead of going forward, she just said, I know what to do. i got to tell people about Jesus. So she started going person by person in the audience, telling about to Jesus. And it wasn't just those who could sign she even went to the camp staff because I guess we looked like heathens. And so she was like, you guys definitely need Jesus. And she would ask a question, do you know Jesus? And she went to every person. I don't think how powerful is that? That the moment she heard it, she had to act on it. You could go to Mark chapter number 8 where the maniac of Gadara, he gets radically transformed and God changes his life. And immediately the Bible says that he was there clothed and in his right mind and he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus told him, no, I need you to go reach your family. And he went and did it. You go to John chapter number 4, the woman at the well. The moment she hears about Jesus, the moment she realizes what Jesus can do in her life, she immediately leaves the water pot, leaves that bucket, and then goes into the town and tells everybody about Jesus. You see, this, this whole thing of a church, it's supposed we receive from Jesus. we got to take it out to the world. But the world's looking for something. They're looking for that love that's supposed to be so evident in our lives. And so this morning, I have a question to ask you. Now, I do think this question is mostly applicable, but if it doesn't apply to you, it's a good question to meditate on. And here is the question. If you could only have one more conversation with your spouse or significant other, what would you say? And if anything other than I love you comes to mind, it's the wrong thing. If you only got one conversation with your spouse, it shouldn't be, hey, the PIN number or to pay all the bills or the combo to the safe or, by the way, uh, you know, no. I hated you the whole time. <laughs> I put up with your mess. I'm going to see Jesus. Going to paradise. It should be, I love you. That should be the first thing that wants to happen, that wants to be said, that should be said. You say, why is that so profound? My life group, we're going through a series entitled His Needs, Her Needs, and a profound statement came up. You say, what is the profound statement? Here's what it was. It was a watershed moment when I heard it. The instructor, the teacher said, no one has ever gotten a divorce that was madly in love. When the two were madly in love with each other, there was no divorce. You see what happens? We fall out of love. We stop loving. So the goal is to stay in love with that person. Now, some of us are like, man, that's, that's just harder than it, than it appears, all right? It'd be easy to love their Instagram account because they look so perfect on that. But I got to live with not the Instagram account. I got to live with the individual. 
without the filters. Matter of fact, I wish there were some more filters that would catch some of the things they might be saying coming out of their mouth. But the filters aren't catching everything. i got to live with this person. Well, an author by the name of Marcus Buckingham, he did a little research, and he found that there was a survey that was done. But many uh, readable uh, uh, universities, there were 77 studies of this done, where they wanted to study what made a happy relationship. The ones that went the distance, the one that lasted the long time. They said, what was the difference? Because I know for so many years, I've spent a lot of time in my marriage trying to get Jane to see things my way. And it's like, the way you're doing it, honey, you're just, if you saw it from my perspective, you'd want to do it my way. And you're laughing because you've done that too. You're like, if you could just see the way I see things, you would just be like, well, you're brilliant. Yes, oh, great one. I will do this, love of my life. How may I serve you today, you know? And it's just like, no, that's, that, that's not working. So they said, here's what the, they polled, the happiest couples. The happiest couples that they found out the ones that have been married the longest were the ones, it's not that they didn't have disagreements. It's the fact that the husband or the wife did not constantly bring up the differences. As a matter of fact, they constantly thought of their spouse as being far superior to them. As a matter of fact, the author said it was like they had an upward spiral of love. It was like they knew their spouse had issues. It was like they knew their spouse had quirks. It was like they knew that, hey, not everything was perfect, but they just said, you know what, I just, the longer we're married, I just don't see it. I'm just like amazed that such a great person would want to be with me. And they said that was the secret to the happiest of relationships, where they looked at the other as better than themselves, which is so funny because doesn't Jesus say to do that, to consider others before ourselves? So the secret to a long-lasting and happy relationship is found in this thing that we call love, that we love the other. And I know it's so difficult, and many of us, we want a breakthrough in our relationships, but you need to understand to have a breakthrough means something must break. And it could be the fact that we're so in this world of just trying to get the person to see things from our angle. And if they just saw it from our point of view, instead of just stepping back and just Wow, I can't believe I get to be married to such a great person. can't believe I get to be in a relationship with such an amazing woman, with such an amazing man. And that was their secret. So if you want that breakthrough, it's going to start because you have an unrealistic view of how good your spouse was. It's almost like you would say, you're blinded by love. Because that's what it is. Many people, they jump into a relationship, and people would say, oh, man, you're just looking through rose-colored glasses. You don't see all their faults, and as soon as you see their faults, oh, then, then you're going to kind of you're gonna, you're gonna back off everything you're feeling and saying. But they said the longer time goes on that you almost become love-blind, where you're saying, no, my love blinds me. The love that I have for this person blinds me to their faults. I, I just see past it, which I think is such a, a great concept because that's exactly what God does to us, doesn't he? The love that he has for us kind of helps him to see past all of our junk and dysfunction. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we're no longer condemned because of what Jesus has done for us. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, uh, Romans 5, 9. There's no more condemnation. That's not how God sees us, but yet you and I, that's where we struggle with how we see the other. 
So I believe 1 Corinthians has some help for us. We started here a couple weeks ago, didn't quite get to finish. So if you have a copy of God's word, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. And let's finish up the last few verses, but let's begin in verse number 1. It says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Shall this face to face, now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is a simple but significant topic. And I feel like in my relationships and in your relationships, it's the number one ingredient. But because it's so simple, we miss it. So this morning, my challenge, my prayer in this very simple message is to help us to once again recapture love. So here I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you all points in advance, okay? You ready? Here you go. If, you, if you're taking notes because note takers are history makers, you can write this down. When you fall in love, say I love you. When you fall in love, say I love you. you can all, and then the secondly, we're going to talk about when fighting with the one you love. And thirdly, we're going to talk about when the one you love fails. But let's start with the first point, Okay. Let's go to the first point. When you fall in love, say, I love you. You say, that's a no-brainer. That one's easy. Yeah, it is so easy, isn't it? But think about this. When's the last time you actually stopped, looked your spouse or significant other in the eyes and said, I love you? For some of us, it's been a lot longer than it should be. Because this is such a powerful truth, but yet it can escape us how often we need to say it. It can escape us with the fact that we need to say it. My little son, Cain, for all of his uh, terrific three-year-old moments, he has a couple that aren't so terrific, but recently he's gotten into a little habit that his other siblings did, and it's adorable, it's cute. As soon as you get in the car and the, the garage door opens and the engine starts to start backing up, he'll come running out of the house, running out of the house, and he'll say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I'm just like, man, that's incredible. And then some are like, no, 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 Cain, it's I love you, Anuncia. And I'm like, don't fix it. It's too cute. It's too cute. He can keep that stutter till he's 57. I don't care. I would love that. All right? I love you, you know? I love you. You know, just an old man. You know, that'd be great. It'd be great. Don't fr- fix that. Don't correct that. But that's how important he wants you to know, hey, I love you. You see, that's what God wants to do. You see, our marriage Our union with that significant other is supposed to be God's way of reminding our spouse that he loves them. I am God's vessel to be an earthly demonstration of how much the heavenly father loves his daughter, Jane. That's how strong that love should be. 
I'm supposed to lavish it on her. I'm supposed to constantly remind her. I'm supposed to constantly be bringing up in a world that wants to bring up your insecurities, how you're inconsistent, how you're incapable. There should be somebody that's constantly pouring into you and saying, hey, I can't believe I get to be married to you. I can't believe I get to spend the rest of my life with you and constantly pouring that love. So when you fall in love, say, I love you. It's an easy concept, but it's one that's so easy to forget, is it not? You see, this morning, this message for any of you Netflix cheer fans is really going to be like Matt talk for your marriage. That's really what this is going to be. Because I really want to help you. I really want to encourage you. Because in a day and age where it seems like everybody's just saying, you know what? Marriage isn't worth it. It's a lot of investments, a lot of time for what? A lot of hassle. I want to encourage you this morning to stay at it. You see, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. We're God's dearly loved. And what does he want us to do? And walk in the way of love. Are you walking in the way of love in your relationship? Is that something where it just comes natural for you to show others that you love them? You say, well, I'm not married, Pastor, this morning. That's okay. Does your family know that you love them? Does the people around you know by your actions? You see, love was never meant to be just a word we say. Love is a verb that we're supposed to practice by our very actions, by our very words. That everything about us just exudes this thought that, man, that person loves That person cares. So when you fall in love, say, I love you. Remember that. But then constantly remind them. Why? Because you and I are so loved, but yet too often we don't love others. Many times we forget that. But we need to step back and say, God, help me to to say it. So when you fall in love, say, I love you. But when you're fighting with the one you love, say, I will love you. Harder, isn't it? It's easy when you fall in love because guess what? That's feeling-based. But when you're fighting with the one you love, which you will, it's going to happen to all of us. You're going to have to have something else, and it can't be feeling-based. Because when you're fighting with the one you love, your feelings are saying, this person, I can't believe they're so rude. They're so inconsiderate. I can't believe they did that. But yet, when you're fighting with the one you love, That's when you have to say, I will love you. And that's focus-based. Several weeks ago, we said where where your focus goes, that's where energy is going to flow. Okay? And our feelings follow that focus. So if you're focusing, saying, you know what? I do love this person. We're fighting right now. We're upset right now. But guess what? This is nothing. We're fighting over a little thing. We're fighting over the fact that he likes to squeeze the toothpaste right in the middle of the toothpaste cap, which is totally wrong. You're supposed to wind up the little thing neatly and gently and squeeze it out. And then when you can't get any more, you cut the end off, and you take your toothbrush, stick it in the end. You just cut off with scissors, and you scoop out the rest of the toothpaste. All right? You don't throw that puppy away. There's lots of toothpaste in there. But you just squeeze it. It's all at the bottom. It's all mixed up. Can I preach on this for a little bit? You say, you got to wind it up all neat. It's so funny because Jane taught me that. I'm actually the one that learned that. I'm the one that's like, you know, as toothpaste on the mirror. It's on there. And then I can blame it on my three kids. I don't know. It's Kane. I love you, Mom. And then I'm off. I'm off the hook. He could just say, I love you. And it's all good. Melts her heart. But when you're fighting with the one you love, that's the moment when you need to say, I will love you. And that's got to be focused. And too many times, we just want to live off of our feelings. And it's hard, isn't it? Because here's what the, what the writer Paul is saying. He said, hey, when it comes to love, love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Wow. It's not easily angered. 
when you have this love for your spouse, it's not easily anger. It doesn't easily get upset, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I was confessing to my wife this past week uh, that sometimes uh, it's real easy to just kind of ignore something you know they want. And it's like, you know they're struggling with something or they want something, and you're just going to act like, I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. I'm just in my own little world. And you didn't ask me for help. I see you struggling. I'm just hoping you don't ask me. Well, guess what? Love doesn't do that. It doesn't delight when they're struggling. It doesn't delight when they're having a hard time. It doesn't delight when, oh, man, you messed up on that. No, no, that's not what love does. You see, love does the exact opposite. But too many times we can get into a pattern where we say, you know what, Pastor, though? You don't understand my relationship. You're saying focus on the good. There's, there's just not much good. Come on. Relationships are tough. And some of you are in, a, in the fight of your life with the relationship. And you just feel like, Pastor, if I were to list out the pros and the cons, there's a whole long list of cons. And there's a very small, itty-bitty little list of pros. And it reminds me of a conversation that Bob Iger had with Steve Jobs. Bob Iger had just become CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And one of his big goals was to acquire Pixar. And so he had a secret meeting, and he went to Apple headquarters, and he was sitting down with Steve Jobs, and he said, Steve, I, I really want to acquire Pixar. I, I, I just feel like you guys would fit with Disney. Don't break off. Let's go back. Let's, let's figure something out. And so Steve said in a giant conference room, said, let's list out all the pros and cons. And then Steve just was listening out, hey, Disney's culture, it's terrible. Your vision, it's terrible. Your teamwork is bad. All these things. He's saying, why would I take a perfectly good company and dump it, dump it into such a toxic environment? And Bob was like, yeah, you're right. But then Steve said something profound. He said, let's not let a million problems stop us from figuring out one solution. What if we applied that to our relationships? Yeah, it is stacked all against you. There's all these problems. There's all these issues. There's all these issues that you didn't know about until you got in the relationship. And it's kind of like, surprise, I got baggage. You know, and it, it's just kind of like, surprise, I'm dysfunctional. Surprise, I'm crazy. There's all these things that you've got. Now, let me park it on something. Too often, ladies, you are assumed that you're crazy. But then as I was thinking about it this week, I don't see ladies talking to the TV when there's a touchdown that was failed or some pass, dudes do that. But yet, why, you're called crazy? Like, I see guys talking to a TV, guys, me, and uh, guys not only talk to the TV where nobody can hear them. It's not like Tom Brady's like, oh, yeah, you think you can do better? Come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. No. And guys, we're driving down the street. Somebody cuts us off. We start talking to the person. And my wife's like, can he hear you? Sure he can. It's a special dude. It's a code. Like, we just know you shouldn't have done that. And she's just like, and we get called crazy. Like, I don't know why we get called crazy. You see, that's what too often happens in a relationship. We stop looking for that one solution. You see, in your relationship, there's always going to be a reason to run. You need to look for a reason to remain. A reason to say, I'm going to work on this thing. I just need one solution. You see, there was all kinds of ways that we could have dealt with our sin problem. And that's what man has been trying to do throughout the eons, haven't we? You see, religion is simply man's attempt to get to God. 
That's why we don't do religion. We do a relationship. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. John 14, 6. By the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I can't pray enough. I can't worship enough. I can't give enough. I can't give sacraments enough. I can't take enough communion. It is only by the finished work of Jesus that I have access to heaven. That's all there is. There is only one solution to man's sin problem. There is only one. And there is a solution for your relationship problem. Or when you get into that relationship, look for the solution. Because why? Where your focus goes, energy flows. You know, too often, here's what I'm guilty. And I'm going to ask you the same question. When you think of your life and you examine everything, your finances, your parenting, your self-esteem, all of it, your your self-worth. When you look at it, do you notice first what you have or what you're missing. And that'll say a lot about you. Don't answer out loud. Because I know I'm more guilty of focusing on what I don't have instead of focusing on what I do have. And when you focus on what you don't have, guess what? That's where your energy goes, to what you don't have. What does that create? It creates a, I'm missing out. I've got to have that. And if I don't have that, then I'm not, I'm not complete. I'm, I'm not whole. And so it creates this, this unhealth inside of our lives that we're constantly chasing this thing that we think we're entitled to, that we think we need. Instead of fighting for the one we love, we're just fighting with the one. So we've got to stop and say, you know, I will love you. I fell in love with you. I may be fighting, but I'm going to. You say, but the pain hurts so much. You're right. In relationship, there's a lot of pain. But I want to share a truth that when you take your pain and you bring it to Jesus, he can transform that pain. But many of us just carry our pain. We're going to do a series in the summer. I didn't see it coming. And we're going to deal with betrayal. We're going to deal with some of those things because we've all been betrayed in life by somebody close to us, by a business partner, by some family member, by a relative. We've all faced betrayal on deep levels. And so we've got this pain, this hurt, this wound that's just there. And guess what? If you never bring that pain to Jesus to transform it, guess what? You're going to keep transmitting it in every relationship. It's just going to, it's just going to be transmitted. You can't help but just leak that onto others. But when you allow the pain to be transformed, it'll no longer be transmitted to somebody else. Because then God can take it, and he can heal it, and he can redeem it. But you say, man, pastor, relationships still hurt. They do. They do. I get to do weddings all the time. I love doing weddings. And I love hearing the vows that we're never going to keep. I said the vows too. We're never going to keep it. I promise to love you, to cherish you in sickness and in health till death do us part. I will never hurt you. I will never wrong you. I will make you sandwiches when you're sick. I promise to kiss you. I promise to say I love you. We say all this good stuff, right? And then what ends up happening? We end up hurting that person. And some of us, I want to teach you a hard truth this morning. That there is a difference between hurt and harm. In a culture that's constantly getting a little bit more sensitive, we need to understand that sometimes hurting brings healing. Harm doesn't bring healing. You say, why? I do not like going to the dentist, even though my amazing mother-in-law is a dentist. I get sweaty palms. My heart starts thumping. I get nervous. I turn pale. I just have a hard time with that. I don't know why. It's not like it hurts. Well, it does, but I, I, just, I just have a, a, an issue with it. But guess what? My mother was like, hey, I've got to pull out this tooth, or I've got to drill here, or I've got to do this. And guess what? It hurts 
to help me. I had to go in for a couple of surgeries last year. The doctor says, I've got to cut you open. There's going to be some scars. But if I don't cut you, we can never help you. You see, there's a difference between a spouse harming you. And if you're in a relationship where the spouse is doing harm, then yes, you need to step out of that. But if it's a relationship where you're saying to your spouse, guess what? We can't just blow all our money on every new sports car that you see, or we can't just do this. There's a difference between hurt and harm. You may be in a business and somebody comes up to you, you hurt my feelings. And you say, I'm sorry about your feelings, but guess what? You just can't come to work anytime you feel like it. All right. And it starts at nine. You were here at noon. I need you here at 9. Otherwise, don't come at all. Oh, my feelings. You know, sorry. We, 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 we don't care. Like, it's like, come on. Put on the big boy pants. Let's go. I love you, but you need to be here at 9, okay? You see, there's that difference. And when you get into a relationship, don't promise I won't hurt you. That's impossible. Can I tell you some of the best advice I've gotten never felt good? Some of the best counsel never felt good, but I needed it. Now, I don't always like it right away, but later, hindsight, you say, I received that. So when it comes to pain, we need to understand that, guess what? God is doing something. So when you fall in love, say, I love you. When you're fighting with the love, one you love, say, I will love you. But when, what about when the one you love fails? This is the hardest one. Say, I still love you. That one's tough. I love you. I will love you. And the other ones with tears in your eyes and with a heart just bleeding. You say, I still will love you. Because that's what Jesus did. Because the love Jesus had is a kind of love that will take your breath away. Because it took his away. And that's what we're called to. Especially as men in the relationship. We are called to lay down our life for them. We are called to love until it hurts. And when we love until it hurts, we will find that something uh, opposite happens, that it no longer hurts. Because we love this person. We see this person start changing and reacting to that love. You see, that's what God meant in Corinthians. He says, faith, hope, charity. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest superpower you have, the one solution you need, even out of the millions of problems, is love. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. Love covers it. If we were to go over to another passage, we don't have a lot of time, but I'll just reference it quickly. There's another passage that says, now is the end of all things, but love one another. Love one another deeply. That's what we need. You see, we come to a moment where it seems like it's easy to just say, I'm done. You see, on every relationship, we need to simply say, you know what? I still will love you. You say, but that person hurt me. And when that person hurts you, guess what? It creates a gap in the relationship. It creates a void, an empty spot in your heart, an empty spot in your emotions when somebody fails, somebody messes up. And guess what? What what happens is you're going to fill that void. There's a vacuum there. It's a vacuum that's just empty because somebody hurt you. They wounded you. It's the gap. And it's easy to fill that gap with suspicion. It's easy to fill that gap with mistrust. It's easy to fill that gap with to expect them to mess up again. And that's typically human nature, isn't it? When our spouse or significant other messes up, we fill that gap with something. And usually it's negative, nothing to help the relationship. But this morning, somebody that is blinded by love looks for the most generous uh, explanation for their behavior. He said, I'm going to give them the most generous explanation for why they did that. 
even though they don't do, deserve it. You see, that is saying, I still love you. So even though you hurt me, even though what you said, even though what you did, even though you come in home late, even though you're missing this appointment or missing this meeting, guess what? I want you to know I'm going to fill that gap, not with suspicion, not with mistrust, not with, oh, you'll mess up again. Instead, I'm going to fill it with the most generous explanation that that person works hard, that person cares about me, that person would do anything for me. And that's what somebody blinded by love does that says this person is for me not against me you see when the one you love fails your love shouldn't fail because that's what verse 8 says love never fails and I know it's hard but in that moment it's gonna be tempting to say you know what I don't want to love this person but it's that exact moment that we need to love that person you say but I'm mad I'm upset and I'm angry and scripture gives me a right to be angry it says be angry but sin not see pastor I can be mad I can be mad it just says be angry and sin not and uh, I want to tell you something this morning you may not like it you cannot stay mad at your spouse or significant other you say why because God isn't mad at them so you can't be either. You say, really? Because of what Jesus did. The Bible says that God poured out his wrath on Jesus. So God looks down and sees you. And he's not mad at you. You say, do you know what I did this past week? Yes, he knows what you did this week. But he still loves you anyway. You said, do you know what I've thought about this week? Yes, he knows what you've thought about this week. But he loves you anyway. You said, do you know where I've been and who I've been with? Yes, he knows all of it. But he says, I'm not mad at you. I love you. And so you and I, we don't get to be mad at our significant other or our spouse either. Because God is not mad. You say, well... Finish the rest of that verse in Ephesians. It says, be angry and sin not. And then it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So I can stay mad till sundown. <laughs> There's always a loophole. Some of you looking for it. I gave it to you. As we wrap things up, many of you had a dream for that marriage, that relationship. And I want to tell you something. Your dream is big. Your dream is so huge. And some of you thought that, guess what? My dream is so great. Man, the day I get married is the day my dream will be complete. But that's not how a dream works. You see, your dream is so big, it's complex, it takes time. Any Lego builders in the house, can I see your hands? I don't care how old you are. I like Legos. There's a few of you. Legos for me, I got little kids. We're all about Legos. And, man, when it comes to Legos, some of you, when it comes to building your marriage, building your life, you just want that quick fix. So some of you, only time you come to church when we do a relationship series, and the only time you work on your marriage is when the church does a relationship series. Instead of you working at it because you just want that quick fix. You just want that, man, I just want something to just fix this thing, keep me going, kind of a little shot in the arm, little, a little air in the tires. No, no, God wants to encourage you. That's not a passive-aggressive comment. I'm just saying you need to work at this thing because you have a dream marriage, and God wants that for you. God God wants you to have a dream relationship, but you can't look at it as a simple little thing. That, man, I'm going to fix this dream in a day. That's like this Lego set right here. You ever heard of these? These are Duplo. Duplo is meant for little kids. Little kids. The ones that don't have enough patience. They don't have a lot of time. But they want to have Legos like their bigger sister or bigger brother. And so you buy them Duplos. This is perfect for the ages of Cain. It says two and up. Well, I guess I could play with it too. That works. Two and up. I, I, I could fit there. But on the pieces count, it says there are 17 pieces. 
17 pieces. You can have Elsa and Anna, and you can have Olaf, and you can have your very own frozen party, and you can sing Let It Go and any other song. I'm lost in the woods. Whatever you want to sing, you can sing with while you build this Lego set. And guess what? It's only 17 pieces. It's easy. It's not complex. It's simple. You can build this in minutes. It's simple. And some of you felt like my marriages should be like a Duplo set. I want to fix this thing in minutes. Like, honey, go hear the preacher, take good notes, come back, just have a sandwich and no clothes on, and we're going to be good. Like, it's the end of this series. I had to throw one more to make you freak out. Just one more. That's the way to a man's heart right there. Food and less clothing. And some of you felt like, man, this is, this, is, this is what I want my relationship to be. But I'm telling you, the dream for your marriage is bigger than a Duplo Lego set. It's bigger than 21 pieces. It's bigger than just a few minutes. You know what it is? It's something a little bit more complicated. Some of you saw it, cheaters. It's the best ever. 1,300 pieces of amazing awesomeness. Over three and a half hours of building time. It's complex. It's complicated. There's a lot of pieces. And guess what? It says you got to be nine or older. You can't be young and immature in a relationship. This is going to take some effort. You see, the dream for your marriage is so big. It's so complex. It's going to take you not days, but decades. It's going to take you time. And your kids are going to look back and say, look what mom and dad built. Not over five years, not over five, uh, ten years, but over decades. Look at the relationship. Look at the marriage. It was complex. It's not simple. You see, your dream is bigger than just a day. You say, why? Because the level of your investment will determine the level of your interest. And if you're investing into Duplo, guess what? You got Duplo. That's it. Who wants Duplo? I don't want this relationship. I don't want some little relationship that took me a few minutes because guess what that means? It can fall apart in a few minutes. I want a relationship that I worked at, that I built something, that I took me blood, sweat, and tears, where I begged God on my knees to fix me, to change me, to forgive me, to work on me, to help me see where I'm messing up. Did you notice it's about me? It's about me fixing me. It's not about me fixing them. It's about me becoming better of who God wants me to be and let God change them. Let God work on them. Let God point out things to them. Let God convict them. Let God meet with them. But I'm just going to love. I'm going to fill the gaps with more love because I said I love you I will love you and guess what I still love you no matter what happens that's what God is calling us to so you can take that dream and apply it to everywhere it doesn't just work for your marriage it can work for your ministry it can work for your business that the dream you had is not going to happen in a day because it's so much bigger than that what God put in your heart that seed that God planted there is so much greater so it's going to take some time it's going to take us some time to fill this room to fill up stadium to build out more campuses to reach more lost people I'm talking bigger now that God has planted a dream we don't just gather here just to show up once We gather here so we can take a city for the gospel. God has called us to bigger things. He's put a bigger dream in our heart that expands beyond our marriage, beyond our relationship. It's so much more than that. We've got to be like a Nova who once we receive the message, we're like, who can I tell? i got to tell somebody. It's got to get out of me. I'm like the prophet Elijah where it's just like i got to preach. i got to tell somebody. It's a fire shut up in my bones, and I've got to tell somebody about it. And my prayer is that you would take this message. You're like, man, i got to tell somebody that guess what? you got to say I love you. 
love you. You got to fight for that thing. And you got to tell him, I will love you. And then you got to say, I still love you this morning because that's what Christ did. Everybody, please stand. I've gone over. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. God, you've got such great things in store for us. There's such great plans that you have for every relationship, for every person here. God, you have a marriage for people. And for those that are wondering, God, do you have a marriage for me? God, do you have somebody for me? Guess what, Lord? I believe that you do. I believe that you're going to speak into that heart where, God, you're going to give them peace that passes all understanding. That everywhere around them says that there's something missing, but they come to the knowledge of you and they see that, God, you're the one they're missing for. You're the one their heart longs for. As David said in Psalms 42, my heart like a deer longs for the water brooks. I long, I desire for you. And when we taste and see that the Lord is good, we are satisfied. God, would you satisfy the desires? Would you satisfy the dreams? Would you satisfy the things that are inside of our hearts? Every couple right now, would you grab your spouse's hand? Would you hold their hand as we go into this moment of prayer? you're in a moment where you're saying, God, I want a better relationship one day. God wants that for you more than you want it. That's a prayer that God wants to answer. I want you to know that whatever problem you might be facing, you may have argued on the way here. God wants to work through that. You say, man, we have been going through a rough season. God wants to work through that. You say, I'm about ready to check out and drop out and quit and and pack it in. God wants to minister to your heart. God, as we're going to sing in a moment, is a way maker. You may not see it, but God sees it and he will lead you. Because there was a dream that God planted for that dream marriage. And God doesn't want you to give it up. God doesn't want you to walk away from it yet. God wants you to once again say, God, I'm going to pursue you. And you will give me the desires of my heart. So God, would you speak to every relationship, every person. Whether they're married, single, dating, newly single, looking for a relationship. God, would you meet that need? I don't know all the prayers, but God, I believe you're speaking here. We come to you in a moment of humility. God, I lift my hands toward heaven and surrender, saying, I want a better marriage. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father, a better pastor, a better shepherd. God, I need you. I need you to speak to me, just like I need you to speak to every heart here. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.